Hello, and you're listening to Let's Drone Out. And special thank you to our lovely patrons that help donate so that we can pay the editor to remove the swear words and silly things we say. Massive thank you to... Carlos Campos. Art Faulkner. Sam Dharma. On with the show. Let's Drone Out. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Let's Drone Out, episode 435, that awkward time between Christmas and New Year, brought to you by our overlord and master, Frank. Good evening. And of course, our helpful long-range Canadian, Cole. Howdy. And myself, Stephen, with a dumb moustache. With a slightly (laughs) out-of-focus camera. Oh Thanks right! Let me cat. just let me just boot that. We were just focusing on cat before the show, so cat got uh, focal there priority. You go. Let me get there. there you go. Yeah, I've I've been uh, enjoying COVID, uh, the new seasonal nice. craze that just keeps coming back. Um, yeah. And I think I'm just about out of the woods now. But my word, it was a long Christmas. It was a slog to get through. What have you guys Beautiful been up present. to? Beautiful present. Just, for just the keeps time. on just giving. Time. Yeah, keeps on giving. Uh, yeah, I seem to be the only person I know who doesn't have COVID at the moment. So I was hunkering down and avoiding everyone, avoiding human contact. That's a very good plan. <laughs> I've been through that. I've done it before. I don't want to do it again. Probably should have done a bunch more of that before Christmas. Uh, Christmas <laughs> would have been a lot easier. I think I only went out once to meet some buddies in town for, for a beer and some chicken wings and must have must have got me then. I, I work oh. from home normally, so... No uh, idea how I got it. Yeah, I've had it like three or four times now. It sucks. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that's what happens when you work in a nightclub. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 But, yeah. <laughs> but I'm, you know, knock on wood, uh, all good right now. So yeah. Kids, kids. Yeah, I guess it's it's weird though. It's a weird time of year, right? It's not really flying season in lots of parts of the world, especially UK, Canada, and. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been just pissing down here for the last couple of days, and I'm just like, okay, well, all my parts haven't showed up yet, so I guess that's a good thing. Uh, yeah, that's it's great. build weather for sure, definitely yeah. build weather. Yeah, there's a few bits and pieces. I uh, I got I grabbed one of those Speedy B wing controllers a while back, and that arrived. Nice, that's un- under thirty pounds. Thirty oh, wow. pounds good. shipped for good. an F405. Like it's a dual board with the PDB included, and so far it looks good. It's got like Bluetooth support and everything. And I've I've never had working Bluetooth support. I've had a couple of off-brand things with Bluetooth that never quite worked. But I'd be interested to try this out. And uh, as you noticed in the northern hemisphere, it's definitely not flying weather. It's a bit rough. But but <laughs> down under. They're celebrating Christmases on the beach or out on the grill, you know, without grilling in mittens, but just, <laughs> you know, the peak of their summer. So a lot of people down there have been flying, and um, Beta Flight has just pushed out the release candidate for 4.5 after a lot of testing into GPS and other features. Hmm. So that's just dropped a couple of days ago. So things have been a, a little bit noisier than usual in Beta Flight land, at least. Mm. Okay. So, so what is the new and improved version? Like, what, what does it have exactly in there? Do you know? The, the big ones are stuff like support for that F435 chip, um, the Artery Tech chip, which was incredibly good value. Uh, apparently, um, if you are looking at wholesale prices, it costs less than an F411, uh, which is just in, uh, pretty amazing because... A lot of people have been stuck with F411 on these low-end boards for a long, long time because there's not really enough room for manufacturers to get anything fancier in the price bracket that you're looking at for your basic tiny whoop, the low, low-end stuff. And it's also really small, whereas the larger F7 chips were in larger packages. 
Um, this is kind of like an advanced, highly efficient, overclocked F405. So instead of 168 megahertz, it's 288 megahertz. So that's like a a, a 50 to 60 percent overclock they managed, and they they did it by um, obviously having newer process nodes that they're building the chip on. Because when mm. when ST Microelectronics kicked out the F405, what like 10 years ago or something, they would have been using pretty um, well contemporary chip technologies for that time 10 years ago. But Artery Tech are building with uh, much smaller transistors, smaller gates, and everything, and and that means that they can run this thing a lot faster, have less power usage, and that lets them run it faster. And um, I think it's it's available in a bunch of different packages down to, I think it, it might go down to kind of similar package sizes to the F411. So it could be, it wouldn't be a drop-in replacement because it's got different pin configuration, but you could fit it on the same sort of board layout that an F411. So good for everyone, basically. And hopefully we can get rid of that F411 with only two UARTs, which has just been a thorn in so many people's sides <laughs> for so long. Huh. Oh, um, there's some cool stuff with uh, GPS as well. So Return to Home has been slowly being optimized for many releases now. Um, but this is a substantial overhaul with um, the U-Blocks code getting lots of attention and people slowly moving out the older NMEA units. So U-Blocks is the kind of go-to chipset for GPS receivers. It gives you the best quality that people have been doubling down on using that, been looking at how to optimize the board rate, make it more reliable, uh, ensure that the flight controller isn't spending more time working with GPS data than it, it has to, and kind of counterintuitively, Running a slower board rate is better because um, when it the flight controller doesn't want to have to jump away from PID control to uh, to go and f sort out the GPS data, it wants to kind of do it at its leisure. And, and if you have very fast board rate, then it fills up the buffer quite quickly and causes mm -hmm. the flight controller to have to jump out and, and empty the buffer. Mm -hmm. So a slower board rate, so long as you don't actually have that much data to transfer, is better because you end up just filling the buffer more fully and slowly over time. And then the flight controller can get round to it once in a while rather mm -hmm. than just like slamming the butter buffer full of data and the flight controller having to drop out and go and, go and do that. Um, mm -hmm. So some task timing and scheduling stuff around that as well, obviously, with the tweaks to the board rate and magnetometer support. So it's not up there with some of the other, like, RGPilot and iNav in terms of, like, fully calibrating the mag, but it properly supports mags now. So that's, that's useful to kind of add an additional data point. And you can take the GPS data in Black Box Explorer and map it as well. So... Previously, it was quite hard to look at where you'd been. You had to get like third-party apps. Now you can export GPX data from Black Box Explorer. And so you can create a map of your flight directly from the Black Box Explorer. Mm -hmm. um, something I've been monkeying with, and uh, Curry as well, has been the color font support. Uh, we would have typically just black and white with the analog OSD, right? But in, in the way that the font information was actually conveyed to to be rendered there was the possibility to set a couple of flags and those were used to switch pages in inav they always had two pages beta flight just stuck on one um, and and what's happened instead of using the extra pages for extended data beta flight's chosen to use the extended pages to indicate different colored fonts so you just double up the the first page but make it green and then orange and then red so now if you set an alert level for some data point say esc current or or your, your milliamp hours used when it hits that warning threshold the numerals will turn first to orange and then to red um, and messages will come up in orange or red so if you've got some really bad message like rx link loss instead of it being in white it'll flash up in red that's so some awesome cool stuff. Yeah, bits and pieces. There's some animations for LEDs. Um, there's a rainbow effect that's now uh, added to the kind of blink effects and the kind of uh, cyclone scanner effect they had before as well. 
and they've made that a bit more efficient on CPU. Um, something I think that we talked about a bit before, but not much, was that when you do angle mode now, anytime you do your, it's your relative to the angle of the craft, I think, rather than, or, it, or it's an earth act. They've changed the way that all your orientates because it used to be that your, when you did a your move, it would like, pull it out of alignment on the other axes and then they like snap back there, in. Right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So now it, it like does the yaw move in line with the other axes. So you, it, when you do a yaw, it doesn't like first do a yaw and then snap back your pitch to where it was before. It actually it keeps it. Yeah. It keeps it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's a whole bunch of bits and bobs. Obviously as time goes on, it's becoming more a case of tweaking, but, um, yeah, there's oh easy landing as well. So this actually reduces air mode bouncing. So when you when you go into land, it's gonna not yeah. let the peed controller go nuts. You, everyone's done this, right? You come in and you look. You've had a beautiful smooth pack in your cine quad, and you like just t- touch down on some concrete and it goes zip, 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 and flips upside down. And you're like, <laughs> my camera lens. Um, <laughs> So there's a special thing that like dials down the PID controller. So now when you go low throttle, air mode doesn't try and like punch you sideways and flip the quad over. <laughs> That's weird. I, I've actually never had that happen to me before with like the, I mean, I guess I don't know if I, I run throttle up or idle up, I guess you could say. So I don't know if air mode is the same as that, but I never, I've seen it in videos where people could come to land and they're kind of like, you know, bobbling on the ground a bit, but I've never had that yeah. happen to me before. If it's really highly tuned, and you've got air mode enabled, then you'd kind of, it would think that the ground touching it was like prop wash or something, and it would try and fight against it, and it would have enough authority to just completely flip the quad out. So, ah, weird. This, yeah, this stops that happening. That's cool. Well, so I know you're talking about like the, the U blocks and the GPS um, optimization stuff, right? Um, yeah. So, because I was actually recently, because I'm doing my homework on GPS right now, just getting everything working. Uh, for my long range setup with Kiss, and I actually came across Oscar Lang's website. Uh, actually, at the start of this year, he was talking about optimizing uh, like GPS settings in U Center, or I guess there's yeah. probably different programs you can use. But um, yeah, it looks like there's a lot of stuff you can go in and change um, in is. that in that software and whatnot. But then I was asking in the the Kiss Discord, I was talking to Alexander, and basically he said like you don't even really need to mess around with that, like. It'll like at least uh, this is maybe from the kiss side of things. Like, um, although you don't need to, but if you want to make it faster to lock on, or if you're in some territories, a lot of the times GPS units can come configured to use, say, North American satellites, but they won't listen to the European ones. And so you used to have to go in and like use U Center to, to set those and enable it. These days, Beta Flight and probably Kiss as well. They run a GPS initialization routine that takes those common settings like let's enable the ability to listen to all satellites, let's set the update rate to 10 hertz, you know, let's make it as sensitive as it can be and try and get as many satellites as quickly as possible and just turn yeah. on all these optimal settings. And so part of the work that Betaflight's been doing in previous releases and a little bit in this has been to take those commands instead of running them in U-Center. It just takes those commands and runs them when you boot the flight controller and fires them all at the GPS unit to make sure it's ah. properly configured each and every time. Yeah, that's cool. Because, like, one of the things, like, you're talking about the baud rate and stuff, right? And, like, um, yeah. going through that article that Oscar Lang was uh, talking about at the start of this year, there because there's auto bodding, but then you can also set a custom baud rate, I guess, right? And, um, yeah. So some, if you some people are saying you, are like, no, you want higher or something, but then you were kind of saying you want lower, right? So it's within reason. Like you, you don't want typically unless you've got an H seven, in which case maybe you don't want to go higher than fifty seven six hundred board. Fifty seven mm-hmm. six hundred is the default. And I was trying to do some experiments, then the weather became terrible because I think I've I've got a bunch of H sevens, and I think I should run it higher just to screen through that GPS task as quickly as possible um, because I think the H7's got spare cycles. It's got, enough, it's got enough, yeah. uh, enough, enough uh, gas in the tank kind of thing, right? Yeah, because yeah. there's like a, an interplay between you either run a, a slower board rate, in which case you have to maybe spend a little bit more overall time going back and grabbing 
data or you run a, a fast board rate and you have less time on the UART, but I think it's all hardware offloaded on the UART anyway. Yeah, yeah you, you've got to have enough of a board rate that the incoming satellite data can all fit on the wire, right? Mm, so it's gotcha. got to be fast enough that you've got the bandwidth to get all the satellite data through. But people are saying you can have like 20 to 30 sats at 57,600 and you're gonna be okay. If you're only doing really basic stuff, you can turn the speed down, but you need to reduce the update rate. So you've got to tell the GPS unit to not do 10 hertz updates, but maybe go down to five hertz or even one hertz updates. Yeah. And that will allow you to use a slower board rate, which means um, you know, there's less room on the line for data, but so long as you also have less data to send, that's okay. And that yeah. will cut, cut the flight controller some slack. So if you do still have an F411 and you absolutely want to use GPS to give you a speedo, or maybe just print out the coordinates on your radio. So if it ditches, you can walk over and find it. You can, you can do that, but you should, you know, lower the board rate and be careful with it as well. Oh, something else, just scrolling through some of the, the links here. I remember reading this PR. There's something cool with GPS where you can do a GPS lap timer. So there's this oh. thing where you can, if you're flying a circuit, say you've set up a bunch of gates in a field and you're trying to fly a circuit, you can um, have a switch that tells the quad this is the position of the start-finish gate. Hmm. And as you fly through the gate, you can hit it and then every time you go through that gate, it's going to do like a lap timer reset and mm. it'll print out the, the lap times. So you can just go and fly laps and keep an eye on what, what each that's, lap time is and see it on the other That's OSD. pretty snazzy. Yeah, that's a pretty cool like that. Yeah. And for, for Crossfire as well, there's a CLI binding. So if you put your Crossfire receiver like way inside the model and you can't reach the little button, um, if you ever need to rebind it, there's now someone managed to reverse engineer the CRSF commands and find out <laughs> this undocumented command. And they did it, hopefully did a PR, and lo and behold, <laughs> it triggers the Crossfire receiver to, to go into binding mode. So you nice. no longer need to get like your selection of chopsticks and try and like dropping <laughs> them into your model. Yeah, I, I, it's always a pain in the ass having to rebind stuff. It's not that hard, but it's like you get out the tweezers, like, reach in make sure you do, i don't know it's it's really not that hard but yeah i guess if you can do it through uh through the software now it's kind of cool although i can't because i fly ks ultra <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure alexander can read this code and be like oh yeah i just send that packet put it in as well you know yeah but I, i'm guessing with the the keeping it simple way is like press the damn button <laughs> like <laughs> if you're flying a freestyle quad you can probably reach it can't you it's people who fly yeah. really complex stuff with plastic yeah. panels all over them for sure yeah 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 anyway there's a whole bunch of stuff going on there so yeah a little mm -hmm. bit of something for everyone i think it's gonna shape up to be a decent release and i'm really just looking forward to getting rid of the f411 stuff it needs to go away and especially as <laughs> in, in winter whoop season i think we have beta fpv with a, an f435 board and an f405 board but if you can grab one of those, they're pretty good. And I think we're going to start seeing them replace the F411 at the low end in the next couple of years. And yeah, it can't happen soon enough. I no doubt. Yeah, I guess on the, um, if we're talking about sort of like updates and whatnot for flight controllers, or whatever, back uh, at the start of November, there's uh, like the latest version of, uh, of KISS Ultra. It's a B54. They added a few new uh, little features too, like... Um, I guess they changed like the return to home, uh, like throttle logic or something like that. Um, I don't know a whole lot about that, but um, yeah, they, it looks like they added some, um, what is it? Added configurable MSP disarm delays, uh, added configurable PID boost for fast throttle movements, uh, configur uh, configurable RPM assistance, and uh, changed the PID controller. Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, a bunch of little things that probably actually make a big difference for some, but I actually have to, I have to update my stuff. I'm, I'm really bad at updating. <laughs> it takes a lot of time. Huh? Yeah. How's, how's the long range build going? Is it, uh, is it started coalescing? 
Uh, no. Uh, so I'm still waiting on motors and ESC that were ordered on November the 26th, which is really great. Really, <laughs> really cool. Really great stuff. Um, it's boat from China. Yeah, although it says flight departed and uh, whatever. I'm not going to get into my frustrations, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I have everything else that I need, I think. I mean, I'm literally waiting for this ESC so I can put an XT60 on it and start the, you know, start the, from the base up. I mean, mm-hmm. without the ESC, without the motors, I mean, I'm kind of like sitting here with my hands in my lap, just like twiddling my thumbs. But um, I mean, I, I updated my Crossfire Diversity um I got GPS working on a on my on a, just a flight controller just hooked up to you know five volt through USB, uh, so I, I did a bit of experimenting because it's my first time using GPS. Uh, awesome. And I was able to get seven Sats locked on my balcony. Pretty cool. I was happy about that. Um, so yeah, flight controller is ready. Um, Crossfire diversity is ready. GPS is ready. Just need that Just damn. The- you have all the mounts and things, bits of 3D printing to get the GPS attached? Yep, yep. I got all my 3D prints cool. done. Literally, I'm, I'm just waiting on this damn ESC, so... Um, <laughs> and motors, yeah, so... Oh, it looks like EBR is uh, saying... So, B54 also has an upgrade on flight performance. He's saying, you must update. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, EBR, I will. I will definitely update, especially for... Um, all, well, I mean, any of my quads that have a KISS Ultra V2 in it, I'm going to put on the latest, because I keep seeing people in the Discord being like, it's so much better, and, and they notice a difference in flight performance and stuff. So, yeah, the only thing is, is like it's been raining, and so I haven't even really been in quad mode, I guess. I'm, although, I guess that's the perfect time to be doing upgrades or updates. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'll, I will definitely get around to it. Yeah. And we have Tailspin trolling us, saying that he flies every day on Beta Flight 357, which is like five <laughs> years old. Yeah. Never. You do you, mate. You do you. But, yeah, it doesn't fly as good as the new stuff. If 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 that's what you want, if you've got an F3, <laughs> you can knock yourself out. But yeah. having RPM filtering makes everything a, a little bit better. Did you yeah. have any uh, success sorting out... Um, Tony's X class, one of the one of the the big quads on on a newer version, because like, that's that's a classic holdout for uh, old flight control software. Is people who've got that's Jack, and I think he actually went um, out of his way to buy some ancient flight controller that that still supported the old version. Because these days, even if you buy say an F four hundred five or an F older seven two two, they may not actually have been made when beta flight 357 was available so a lot of them don't have targets and i remember him hunting around trying to find one specifically mm. so they could fly that hmm. i don't know i I've, I've limited patience to be honest i think people just <laughs> should read the manual and update you know but, but i mean um like with the x-star stuff but like the really big stuff like uh, even the even the races there like clive in the chat is is mentioning it like 357 is the classic one that they kind of say this yeah, one works sure. for class. More recent ones, no, it's a tuning no one's been problem, brave right? enough to, to tune it, right? It's a and tuning I, problem, right? Just read can... the manual and, and tune it like <laughs> everyone else does instead of keep some magic numbers from 357. I have zero oh, patience, yeah. I think. Yeah. You, it, I know it, even, it's highly achievable. Even 8-inch, uh, uh, I know someone who's, who's recently, very, re- very recently built an eight inch, um, put the latest beat bite on it, and and he's not, you know, uh, shy about tuning things. He's, he's he's fairly on the ball, but he's he's managed to sort of have a little mini tornado of death after hovering yeah. for a little bit. Weird. Well, Numskull um, built a beast class, and he was using the latest on that, as far as I know, and it it worked fine. I mean. If you have a tornado of death, you're just doing something wrong, right? (laughs) You have a tornado of death because you've over-tuned it. If if, if you start it out with a very, very gentle tune and take black box and look at what it's doing and then tune it appropriately, carefully, you're not going to have this type of problem. If people just slap on defaults that are meant for like a spicy 5-inch and put put it on like a 10 inch quad yeah it's it's not going to fly well if you've got a lot more power or or if you've got different frame resonance issues than you have on a five inch it's going to fly very differently and it could be dangerous but Mm. that 
just because you you got lucky because three five seven had a really loose <laughs> tune by default, and you just learn to tune it. Just learn to tune it. Right? It's it doesn't need to be super scientist level of doing, you know, black box to the nth degree, but just you know, back off the authority a little bit for a, a test hover. Make sure it hovers okay, and then you know, look at the the filtering. Look at how much vibration you're getting. Sort that out. Sort out any mechanical issues, and then tighten it up until it, you know, until it snaps, until it's snappy. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm re- I'm I'm basically um, I'm spoiled in the Kiss Ultra world because Crunked has put together some of these really amazing sort of like starting points as well as like okay, start here, maybe bump it up to the next one, see how it goes, and if it's still you know if your build's really clean, then you can try the next one. Um, and with five inch quads with Kiss Ultra, I feel like, I mean, I, I run Apexes, and I mean, they just they fly so good. I mean, from what I can tell, I, I've I've never really had to go in and and do anything. Although with the seven inch that I'm that I'm building, um, the the recommendations that I've got are you know try it out on default and then go from there. Uh, but then I've there's a few people that have been in the Kiss Ultra Discord, and then just like some other random sort of Ultra guys. Um, basically what they're saying is like, you know, P values are going to be considerably lower on a seven inch tune. Um, but I don't know. I, again, like I don't know a ton about tuning myself just because I've been, like I said, I've been spoiled, but, um, I don't know. It's going to be a learning experience. This whole seven inch quad for me is going to be a learning thing, which I'm actually excited about. And, um, yeah. Oh, sorry guys. I'm actually getting an important call. Give me one sec. I'll be right back. <laughs> no worries. Ooh. Mysterious man of mystery. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I love these times. So I think that the defaults should fly fine. Um, one of the the problems that these firmwares do run into is if you're aiming to perform really well, say for a, a, a crowd who are very fussy about their performance, like racers, who who really want very aggressive fast moving fast responding quads they want don't want any hint of hesitation when there's stick input they want that thing just to spin around on a dime that you can't necessarily have loose defaults and if you've got loose defaults it's going to be really easy to build like a a, a lazy freestyle bird you know so long as you can deal with the prop wash a loose tune will be just fine it'll make everything look a little bit smoother but for a racer that's terrible and i think what happened Mm. going from 357 onwards is that they started trying to tighten up the defaults so that Mm. it was good for racing and you can look at the you know the the champions league stuff that just came out like everyone's flying beta flight and they're all on the 4.x release they're not no there's not a single person showing up on the three three 3.x release series I don't mm-hmm. think there's anyone below 4.3 either. They're either 4.3, 4.4, or, or something that ilk. Um, so it, it can work, but it just, yeah, I'm not saying it's super easy. And if, if I had an X class <laughs> that was already flying, I'd be worried about it for sure. But um, one of the things that I do with problem birds is often fly them on a lower cell count. So if I've got something that I know is a little bit spicy on, say, uh, 5 and 6S, I might just put a 4S pack in it and try and tune it on 4S instead. And when I know I can get a good tune on 4S, I'll take what I've learned, but dial down the the overall, like, PID multiplier and and a couple of notches and, and try that on 6S. And then if I'm starting to get acceptable results on 6s then i can you know take that 4s point and relax it back and then try and see how much i can i can move that back to where it was on 4s before things start to act out and they will act out because a tune that's good on 4s doesn't have the motor rpm going as high as it would when it's on 6s right so it doesn't have that quick response that the motors can provide on 6s so it, the tune is having to work a lot harder and everything's going to be cranked up a little bit higher so but with beta flight 
the latest releases, you've got sliders, right? So you can literally just use the master slider and say, I'm going to turn everything down a couple of notches. And if you drag that master slider down from, say, 1.0 to 0.7, then you're turning your P-term, I-term, D-term all the way down. Um, and, and that can help a lot, right? If you, if you get something working on a 4S that you thought was untunable on 6S, then you can use that 4S as a starting point and see, well, you know, where was that problem where fi- where 6S was suddenly like demon quad? <laughs> but 4S flies, you know, how do I slowly get up to where I was, where, where it should be at 6S from that 4S starting point? This episode was recorded in front of a live online audience, downloaded and edited to make sense when it's played audio only, censored to please the iTunes people, hosted on the internet, forwarded through to your podcast provider, downloaded, playing on your device, and is now playing in your ears, all thanks to our Patreons. Consider joining them and you'll also get other online benefits. Find out more at patreon.com forward slash let's drone out. Yeah, uh... I've I've brought up X class even if it is slightly uh, contentious because uh, we've we've got um, Cerberus coming on next week mm. talking about his uh, stint as the chairman of the British Drone Racing Association and he's you know he's come in fairly recently he's he's changing up things a little bit and he's started a Discord server for the BDRA. Where I noticed today, because I joined and had a look, he's got uh, channels for Whoops, he's got channels for XLAS, got channels for Wings, which is quite a big departure from what the BDRA has generally been, which has usually been laser focused on the 250 size races. So uh, that's I'm very interested to see what he's going to talk about next week and you know, what what else he has perhaps in store for the BDRA and uh, events that you might be thinking about. So that's, I'm very interested in that. That's what's got me excited for 2024, talking to Serb and finding out his plans with the BDRA. So that's, that's on next week. Oh, it looks Excellent. like Alexander has popped up saying, I have, uh, you have full Crossfire tool on Ultra in it through the OSD. You just didn't find the button, Cole. You didn't find <laughs> the <know>. button. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm actually I'm lacking in, in toying and, and uh, prodding around in, in all the OSD stuff. There's, there's honestly probably a lot of stuff that if I just spent maybe you know half an hour going through each subsection through the OSD, I could probably, probably figure out a lot more, and then I wouldn't have to ask these stupid questions. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So I guess uh, Stephen, it looks like there's, uh, you know, already been done, already been figured, already been sorted yep. out. Yeah, I see it. That's very cool. Yeah. So I guess uh, he's ahead of uh, Beta Flight then on that. If that just came out on Beta Flight. Uh, in here, VTX control. This is Kiss is on the ball. Kiss Ultra. So this is like CRSF dev navigation, yeah. Yeah, it was mainly the bind button that I was looking at. It's interesting because he's looking at it from, I thought this stuff was only navigable from the OpenTX side, but he's got all the stuff you'd see on an OpenTX firmware. That's curious. It's kind of odd. So it looks like you can configure your transmitter from the receiver. I don't know why you'd want to do that but yeah it's got like the transmitter menus there which is because normally you have that lua script on OpenTX, but it looks like you're getting the lua script from the receiver side instead of from the transmitter side which is well that's, that's where you're looking most of the time i guess right yeah yeah i've never seen that before that's interesting if your radio has no lua and you need to change something huh yeah, I'm, I've, I've looked at this from kind of deviation TX, so I'm kind of familiar with how Crossfire surfaces that, but I've never seen anyone driving it from the receiver side. Very interesting. That does make sense as well with the increasing number of radios that are like kind of the gamepad style that don't yeah. have any screens on them. Like That makes a lot of sense. Funky. Okay, that's mm-hmm. interesting. Someone should uh, yoink some of that code out of... Uh, the <laughs> Express LRS lower and try and port that into Betaflight then. It'd be interesting. Although I think these days people I say 
people don't use the OSD menus that much. It's it's kind of it's there, but when I'm on the ground, I'm like, I'm overheating, I'm overheating, gotta take off, gotta take off, gotta take off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that doesn't sound fun. I, that sounds stressful. Yeah. When you've got those HD VTXs, you're looking at it and there's like a little temperature readout at the bottom. And you know if it gets to like 90 degrees, it's just going to like shut down to save itself. And so you're like, okay, 83, change, 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 84, change, 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 85, faster, so faster, even, faster. Like, even in pit mode, like even in lowest uh, output, yeah. it'll still overheat. That's crazy. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. See, that's even, why I like to fly analog. You don't have to worry too much. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it will still overheat, but... You just like the, I think the the throttling is better on analog because when you get to a certain temperature with analog, it just like ditches the output power right down. Right, I have had some analog stuff cut out on me because it gets too hot. Typically, whoop boards uh, they'll do that. Yeah, I think I saw was it one of Curry's videos or something or somebody's video where they were you know they were toying around with the uh, the output power levels and all of a sudden like. You know, at, once it got to a certain heat level, yeah, then it just kind of gone. Yeah. 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 It still showed that it was on and working, but nothing was actually displaying or anything. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it I mean, is definitely an issue with analog, but not as much as it seems to be currently yeah. with HD. But I've been uh, in my in my day job at the moment. I've been playing around with a uh, Peltier elements. Oh yeah, I've come across these before. How to like cool things down state. by making more heat? Yeah, it's huh. like a little solid state thing that you put some current in, and it pushes the heat from one side to the other, which is hmm. quite fun. Uh, and while it's pushing the heat, what does it do? Oh, it makes more heat. Yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> but it, it's like it pushes like three or four times as much heat as you're making, which is, is pretty good. But it means you end up with a really, really hot surface on the other side. So it's, you know, it's, uh, it's good fun. Uh, I mean, we're, we're also arguing with the guys that are selling them who are saying that because uh, when you make one side of it really hot and one side of it really cold, it also generates electricity. Yep. You can short it, and it will move lots of heat from one side to the other because hmm. it will power itself, which we're we're very unhappy about. It's, <laughs> it's like, it's, it seems like a free energy cold fusion type thing going on here, but perpetual motion. Yeah, but it's it's, go, it's still going from a hot place to a cold place, so it's kind of okay. But it feels very wrong to be like you can short it and it will work. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Tuesday, like first law of thermodynamics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, we got the whole ultra gang in here today. We got EBR. We got Alexander. I believe that's Crunked, if I'm not mistaken. I think the last name, I think, pretty sure. Yeah. Must be right. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wish. Um, I wish I could have some half decent weather so I could actually get out and fly more before before the when the fully winter comes because we haven't really gotten any snow yet. Um, we've gotten like little bits of snow here, but you know, I anytime it's like minus two, minus three, or below, I'm like, eh, I don't think I'm going outside. I don't think I'm gonna to do that. So, yeah, uh, yeah. While it's been blowing a gale here. Uh, and it's been very much more build weather than flying weather. I've been working towards having somewhere to build uh, by hanging up all my planes. I've been following a, a Painless 360 with a video like years ago about using coat hangers to hang up your planes. So I dug out a load of slightly manky coat hangers and hung all my planes up. So they're now not on the floor. So you've got not covering every plane. available <laughs> service. Yeah, exactly. Just everything is covered with just planes hanging there. It's Why like, not just get a wardrobe and you can just open the wardrobe and be like, oh, which plane for today? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We need like, yeah, just one of the like clothes rails. They have like backstage theatre. Just mm. like one of those. Yeah, All the fantastical garments. Yeah. 
exactly. Which glorious <laughs> raiment for today? A seaplane? No, no, no. So be stupid. <laughs> seaplane on a day like today? No, no, no. <laughs> I haven't quite got around to hanging out my quads uh, or my tricopter or such things, but that's that's on the list. They're small. Oh, I went for pegboard. Oh, yeah. I decided to go get yeah, a couple of bits of pegboard and, and mount those up there, and it has kind of saved me from madness because I, I, I thought to start with I'll put everything in the box it came in, but that just ended up with now the corner of the room is a mountain of boxes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know where anything is anymore. I'm like, wow, look, each of these boxes is very neat and tidy, but then if you put 20 of them together, it's a nightmare. And then you need like the one that's at the bottom, so all the rest oh, yeah, just obviously. get removed in, into a slightly less tidy pile, and that happens a couple of times, and all of a sudden you just surround the mountain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, yeah I've, I've actually been on a donating uh, role lately. I'm like going through all these, just all these accumulated boxes. I'm like, hmm, do I need this crappy laptop stand that's been sitting around for two years that I haven't used? Goodwill. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's really weird. I don't know about you guys, but I have a really hard time getting rid of things that I've paid for, even oh, if I too. don't use them. I'm like, yep. oh, it's, it's just one of those things where you're like, I spent money on this, can't get rid of it. I mean, I have uh, hanging up to my right a, a plane that I paid about five pounds for, <laughs> and like, I should throw it away. Like, it needs throwing away, but I can't throw it away. Mm. Uh, it's, yeah. It's, Did you yeah. get one of those planes that that I have? That little thing that's hanging up behind you there. Uh, one I haven't got around to flying properly. Yeah, that that that, that one's a flying fish. Yeah, yeah the flying fish. flying fish. Yeah, that's good it's, fun. I enjoy that. Nice. I need to get out and actually try and fly that thing. <laughs> I haven't FPV'd it. It definitely would benefit from FPVing because it's small and fast. Yeah. yeah. I heard Very it's got quickly. a decent power-to-weight ratio. You can just, like, oh, yeah. hand-launch it. Oh, yeah, you just let go, and it will yeah. disappear off into the distance quite quickly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, flying line of sight, it's, it's a slight challenge because it is very fast, and it very quickly ends up being a small dot in the distance. Mm. Yeah, it's, FPV for me, then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I was a bit worried yeah. about that because uh, so I was thinking, oh, small, first plane, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll get that. But yeah, I kind of thought because I saw some guy test fly it, and he just like held it like vertically out in front of him, not even making a pretense. He just held it vertically oh, yeah. out in front of him, wang the throttle up, and it just went bing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That is definitely the sort of flying that it is good for. It's just it is a rock, little rock, mini rocket ship. Yeah, yeah. But it's kind of like when you see those racer guys do the hand launches, and they're just like. In you know, in the blink of an eye, you can't see these damn things anymore, right? Like, mm. yeah, yeah. Oh, so it looks like well, Alexander wrote in the chat. He said he's looking forward to my footage uh, from the trip from my trip coming up. Yeah, I'm. I can't wait to fly out in Taiwan, man. I'm. I'm gonna get some sweet long range footage out there, and uh, hopefully have a quad come back to me <laughs> uh, to be able to show the footage. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, should be fine though. Should be good. I'm looking forward to it. Making it to the mountain and back. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? Because I, I had this in my mind that I was going to do a 6S2P setup um, with lithium ions on my, on my 7-inch. But I was actually watching Curry's video recently where he was flying a 6S1P and, uh, with a lithium ion. He was getting like 18-minute flight times. And I was like, well, I think, okay, when I flew in, um, in Taiwan last year, with a five inch, I mean, I was getting almost half the way to the top of this mountain peak within maybe like two or three minutes. So I might not even need to do It'll a six S two piece setup because it's going to be double the weight and probably going to be weird for the tune. So, you know, how about you just take an adapter plug so that you can plug two packs in parallel if you want to? If I really wanted to, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, what I'm going to do, I'm going to do a bit, a bit of experimenting. I'm going to do six S one P with the lithium ion cell. Uh, cells and see how that goes. Maybe get that that uh, sort of joiner plug. See how that goes. If I really need, you know, twenty five plus minute flight times, um, and then I also was going to see if I can just grab a big lipo and just, you know, 
see what works. See, uh, you know, see if a, the extra sort of juice with the lipo would be nice. Because I know, um, so Mike X, one of the Kiss Ultra, um, you know, pilots, test guys, uh, he does a lot of, I think, like six inch, six inch stuff with um, with lipos, and he gets pretty decent flight times and range and stuff. So, I mean, do I need to fly for 25 minutes? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Oh, wow. So, that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. FPV Victor, 21 kilometers, low flow, six inch. That's, that's pretty awesome. Maybe lithium ion. Yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, does it get boring after a while? Cause I know flying like a Mavic, it gets pretty damn boring after the first like 10, 15 minutes. But I wonder how, uh, you know, FPV would go for that. If you're dying to get that shot perfect and to get that shot requires, Climbing for three or four minutes up a mountain and then turning yeah. round, you might need a bit of capacity. Yep. True. I can imagine as well as like if you if you're doing the test flight and making sure you know what your available flight time duration is, and you're just go doing laps of your local field, yep. you're going to be you know like ah, oh, there's no jeopardy here. Yeah. It's all fairly dull. It's like I, I know all this. It's all fine. And then I can imagine like the moment you take off to go up a mountain. It's going to be a slight, like, especially when you've got like jungle underneath it. Yeah. And um, it's like the, the, the stakes are a bit higher. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can imagine it's going to be a bit You'd more. You'd be really, really happy yeah. to land with like 30% <laughs> of the pack left over, and you'll be like, oh, that's good. That's what I needed. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I don't you know have what? It's fine. <laughs> There's, um, let me see if I can pull this up here because I was, there was a couple of things that I, I, I keep reviewing my footage and like from before. Um, let me see if I can pull it up here. Um, and I've been trying to figure out like the most optimal starting point. Cause I'm like, this is me just kind of flying from, from where I'm staying, but um, I'm like right there. I basically, let me see. You could cruise along that river. That would be my first instinct. Like you've got a river and it's got bridges, which you could totally fly under like that bridge in the right side oh, yeah. of the picture. Yep. You could, so you could start off just, like way up following the course of the river round, you could come in, you could go under the bridge and then you could go up the hill. Well, so, okay. So you see this, like this housing little complexy thing right in front of me, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm basically standing or you can see where I'm sitting for this flight, but I, I actually get really good line of sight to that top peak from here. So like mm-hmm. I could go just straight at it. Um, and, and I don't think I should have a problem with that, but, um, this was actually my, my first flight at it, but this bridge right here would be really sweet. Or this little sort of like, I want to, oh, yeah. I would love to fly under that, but I would have to be standing because I fly analog, right? I'd have to be standing somewhere line of sight ish. Um, Could I climb on the roof? Could I yeah. climb on the roof? <laughs> like the furthest I get up this way is like, okay, no, that's the end of it. But You're I mean, like, hello, understanding FPV family members, please fetch me a ladder. I will be standing <laughs> on your roof the next 20 minutes. Yeah. And maybe swearing. I mean, the tops of those, like that's totally doable within a few minutes easily, man. Like, oh, yeah. I feel like I should easily get to the top of that. Um, but as far as going the other way, I think it would be pretty cool to to maybe push it into those far ones, but I need a better spot to stand because all the trees kind of in the way, unless I just fly really high up. So you probably want to do a flight where you, you look around and you look for some like peak nearby that you can sit on that's had the trees removed. There's going to be some point somewhere where you can stand where there are no trees that's yeah. not going to like take a three day hike to get there. Well, so you see this other little, um, this little group of like houses and whatnot right there, yeah. right? So I was looking on Google Maps and it looks like, let me see if I can get it. This little road near the bottom here, if I, st- if I kind of go and stand, I don't know if you guys can see my cursor or not, but if I go and stand somewhere along this road. It, you go and hide in the bushes near these people's houses with your goggles on. Well, I mean, like, look at that, right? If, see that little road at the bottom middle? That gives me even yeah. really good line of sight to the top of that one um, in the far left, but I don't know. It, it's going to be an experiment, right? Like it's, oh, um, yeah. Sure. yeah. And that's why you have the return time switch, right? So if you exactly. do screw up your video signal, you can just hit the oopsie button and get yeah. back. <laughs> well, and what Alex was saying too was um, 
with with Kiss Ultra and, and Alex, correct me if I'm wrong, but I guess you only really need to have six sats locked to get a uh, good return to home. And and uh, but I was talking to some Betaflight guys, and does Betaflight show all sats, or does it show all sats that you're locked, locked. to? It locked. only shows locked. Okay, yeah. You can't use them if they're not locked. And the more you have, the more accurate that 3D position is going to be. Yeah. You, six is okay, but if you're doing long range, then having more than 10 for peace of mind yeah. is, is a good idea because you don't want to... You, you don't want to get to a situation where the number of sats you've got is all of a sudden insufficient to tell you your position. Yeah, because yeah. then the quad doesn't know where to go. And I don't know what the ultra behavior is, but in beta flight and INAV and others, if you're trying to do a GPS-based task and you no longer have your GPS-based position, <laughs> it's a fail-safe. Like, oh, you, wow. you, don't have, you don't have that information anymore. So while six is, is enough, obviously, if you, if you do kind of... Uh, if you think about it, it's, it's trig in 3D, so you'd need three to triangulate position normally, but for an extra dimension, you technically only need four, but mm. six is six is not more than enough, Alex. Six is like brown trouser <laughs> return to home. I'm sorry. It's just it's well, not so, there, mate. Well, what I, what I, um, I mean, when I was doing my testing, just putting my, putting a flight controller with GPS on my balcony, I was able to lock seven sats like yeah. within you know no time. So I feel like if I'm in the middle of nowhere, well, maybe not the middle of nowhere, but you should be in double digits easily. Yeah, and then you'll be fine. Yeah, but yeah. You, you you don't want to you don't want to get to a point where you don't have enough GPS data to tell you what your location <laughs> is. <laughs> oh, Alexander, six is <laughs> enough. But if you're down at six and you end up on four, what happens if you go down to four or three, Alex? Yeah. Because this isn't like, a, this isn't a constant static number. If you're on six, you could end up on four or three, and then what's the quad going to do if it sees only three sats? That's the thing. You you want enough that you can afford to lose a substantial count of those because of someone's poor unshielded electrical equipment or occluded by something, you know, or just dumb luck. So my question then is though, so. Because you know, I'm coming from a place of ignorance. Um, basically, say you're in a you know that sort of area that I was showing you guys out in Taiwan, right? Like, what types of things would interfere with GPS satellites? Or um, is it noise from the quad? Is it stuff from the environment? Is it like like what? Because I don't know this stuff. Like, what actually you know either improves or hinders GPS quality or lock or whatever. You can get some noise from some VTXs. Some of the HD VTXs are kind of uh, renowned for this. Walk Snail struggled a bit with lack of shielding. <laughs> yeah, the Chinese army. Um, <laughs> any, anyone that's doing like uh, radio towers of any sort, so GPS is 800 and 1500 megahertz, I believe, right, Frank? So anything that might be in those bands. Uh, it's, yeah, 1.5, 1.6 gigahertz, I think, uh, somewhere around there. For, I, mean, I guess it depends what what you're using as well. But uh, so yeah, I mean, the, you could you can you still get like, uh, but you have the intermodulation distortion and things like that, yeah. where like different frequencies can interfere with each other and make new ones. Yeah, yeah. So. But, and that's where Walksnail was falling foul, I believe. Mm. Mm, that would make sense. So, but that's that's why they, you know the, the the idea is to try and get your GPS antenna as far away from everything else as you can. Yeah. Um, especially if you've got the magnetometer on there, that's going to get like stuff from your your quad anyway. And bear in uh, mind, the GPS maps can be over the entire horizon to horizon sky. So mm. if you're flying along and you've got you're high up and you've got massive viewpoint and then you dive down into like a trench or something, then all of a sudden you're like limiting what's visible, your, your visible window of the sky. And that can, like if you're walking through a city, you, you traditionally have terrible GPS reception because if yeah. you're in the middle of tall buildings, you don't see 
anything but a tiny slit of the sky above you. And, and that impacts GPS performance. Well, that makes sense because when I'm driving downtown Toronto and I'm under a bunch of underpasses or overpasses, um, like it doesn't actually know where I am. It's like, you're here. And then like, I'll drive a bit and it'll be like, actually, no, you're here. And then it's like, uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think yeah. the BN220 has mag on it. It does it, not. No, no, I've got one of those. No. And I guess, yeah, water in the sky. So clouds are not good, I guess, too. I mean, but, but genuinely, like, military applications can spill over. We've seen that uh, in, in Poland in the past sort of few days, uh, that uh, GPS has been interfered with, with you know, military exercises going on and things. So it may well be worth going to something like gpsjam.org and having a look at the sort of live, live-ish map. I think it's sort of updated daily of like what, what GPS interference is going on, which you can see kind of like, oh, maybe today is not the day for a, a <laughs> GPS-reliant mission. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It should be fine. I mean, it's just like we said before, the, you're doing something that's inherently risky, so build your confidence and prove yeah. your equipment works. Learn the local area, maybe do a couple of flights where you're just going up in the air and doing like 50 meters around, making sure there's no weird signal interference and, and then just push it slowly. Well, you know, the other thing I thought about too is because um, I got about halfway up to the top with just my five inch freestyle quad, right? I'm like, hmm, maybe I'll just get a bigger battery and, and, and uh, you, you may know. get lucky and there genuinely is absolutely sweet FA out there, in which case, you know, more power to you, man. Good luck. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. I think it's, uh, honestly, I, I, I'm fairly confident that I should be okay. I like if I don't know. I mean, I, I guess it's all speaking from a hypothetical place, but like if I can build my quad the way that I've built my other quads, then, and, and I've got a better VTX, I've got diversity, I've got, you know, GPS. I mean, I don't see why I should have any problems. Right. Like it's, uh, Plus, the testing is obviously an important uh, phase, but yeah. That diversity crossfire should be bulletproof. So long. If you're putting out like 500 milliwatts or more on the TX, that crossfire diversity should go so much further than your analog video that you oh, should totally. be able to just punch out and, you know, wait till you're 70 meters in the air and you've probably got signal again for your VTX. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Falconrad, I was watching his stuff and he's saying, He's never set his uh, crossfire uh, transmitter to more than like 250 milliwatts, and he's gone out like, you know, insane amounts of kilometers. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've only needed the high power transmitters where I've had, I'm running on 2.4 gig, and I've yep. got those tiny little ceramic antennas that are like on a 10 mil by 10 mil VTX all on one board. That's the only time I really needed to increase power. Otherwise, I could stay on a max of 100 milliwatts and it'd be fine yeah i think the the scariest part for me is like you know stretching that elastic with the video when you're going out you're like how much can i go out okay when i uh, when i start turning you know mm -hmm. how's it gonna what? how's it gonna be right it's like <laughs> i want to keep going further but i also want to be able to see once i turn around <laughs> and then i'm like okay maybe i'm just gonna have to pitch up and fly backwards to myself like <laughs> Yeah, and, and do you, I, I mean, the if you look at the Express LRS guys, they did range tests, and I think Wesley Varty had actually uh, attached some second-hand satellite dish to his VTX, and he'd used it <laughs> to do a high-gain antenna on the VTX, and he only lost video signal on 5.8 gigahertz when he was at the 90-something kilometer mark. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I... I know. I, I like the, the distance that I'm tr planning on going is like, it's like, 10K it's, it's like, it's like peanuts. It's like peanuts yeah. compared to what these real like long range you guys should are be doing. fine, man. Like you, you've probably got a really nice location to fly there. And I'm honestly pretty jealous because it looks <laughs> like there's basically no one out there apart from you no. and a bunch of beautiful scenery. So that's it. I know. Great. I know. I, I know. It's, I, I feel very, very fortunate and lucky because it's like, I've, how could you not want to fly at a place like that? You know what I mean? Like it's, mm. it's pretty incredible. Oh, 
I just noticed we have got to the top of the hour. Thank you to everyone who's joined us this week. We're going to bounce over to the other stream now. So thank you to our wonderful Patreons. We'll be joining you shortly. And thank you to Frank, who's joined Bye. us this week. And Cole. See ya. And myself, Stephen, with a silly mustache. See you next time. <laughs> have Bye a good night, everyone. Thanks for tuning Bye. in. Bye. Telemetry lost.